Welcome to Ambient Discourses, conversations with musicians and composers who create musical experiences and sonic landscapes. My guest on the program is Sherry Finzer, a flutist from Phoenix, Arizona in the United States and the driving force behind Heart Dance Records and Higher Level Media. Our conversation was simply sublime. We talked about creating a space for the listener, her involvement with the Insight Timer meditation app, her new album, The Gratitude Project, and so much more. Her story is both inspiring and interesting, and I think you'll enjoy this one too. So let's get right down to it. I present my conversation with Sherry Finzer. Sherry, it's wonderful to have you here on the podcast and the uh, this featuring you on this special episode of the Stolas Relay Station. I'm um, I'm just enamored to ha- finally have this conversation. Uh, you, so many wonderful artists have come my way because of your record label, Heart Dance Records. Plus, your music has just been an amazing sweet spot of quiet intimacy and a way to quiet down your mind and just open up and i just welcome <laughs> it's great to have have you here and to have this conversation thank you so much for having me it's an honor and i i love what you've been doing with the podcasts and the radio and um so it's an honor that you're using my music and other artists on the heart dance records label so thank you oh it's it's absolutely my privilege and so let's before we get deep down into the deep philosophical things that drive us as human beings in our music (laughs) uh, let's just get to know you a little bit more tell me about like how you grew up into music and and some of the things that inspired or motivated you um and then how you found yourself to where you are today i know that's probably quite a bit of history but (laughs) good starting place anyways yeah sure um this is a question that i'm asked very often so um like many of us uh, i got started in music back in elementary school in band. Um, It was fifth grade when I chose the flute as my instrument, and um, I just loved it from the moment I started playing it. Uh, I would spend hours in my room. I'd go home after school and just go in my room and play, and, um, you know, we had books we were working out of and like you know maybe one week it was lesson one and the next week lesson two and I just like went through the book as quickly as possible and and you know taught myself a lot even though I had the lessons at school I just couldn't get enough Um, so that became my passion and um I studied privately in high school. I had a private teacher and wanted to be a classical flutist and play in an orchestra. And I went through all the college auditions, but um, all throughout high school and and junior high too, like whenever I had to play a solo in front of somebody or be judged in a competition, I just fell apart. I had terrible, terrible stage fright. Um, And I didn't really want to go 
away to college, I wanted to go to um, Eastman, which was in my hometown of Rochester, New York. And Eastman was the only school that did not accept me. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. So I was just, I, I had suffered burnout from practicing five to six hours a day, yeah. the pressure of the competition, the stage fright. And I was just like, you know, I don't, I don't think this, this is my path right now. Mm -hmm. um, I had, I had started working some outside jobs and started making friends. I never really focused on friends in high school because it was all about the music. And uh, so I just started having this, this other life and let music go and got married, raised family. And when my eldest son was in fourth grade, he started playing the trombone and I was trying to help him, you know, to learn to count. And, and he just looked at me like I was crazy because he had never really heard me play. And I was really, really missing it. And um, right about that time, um, I, there was a group of other mothers that we all worked out together at the YMCA. And uh, there was a course that they were having at the YMCA uh, to become an aerobics instructor. And so they talked me into doing this course. I thought I would just learn some new exercises or something. And because of my music background, it came very easy to me when it was time to put the choreography together. I don't know if you've ever done any mm -hmm. exercise classes like that. Um, and then the class was done and I'm like, oh great, I got my certificate. And then the woman that ran the class called me into her office the next week and she's like, okay, we gotta get you on the schedule to apprentice and you're gonna, you know, we'll start by, you're, you're gonna do the warm up." And, and I was like, wait, no. No, I did not want to teach. Like, I cannot get up in front of people and do this. And she said, yes, you can. And I said, no, I can't. And there was a back and forth. And she said, I will help you. I will help you through this. I, you know, I told right like there's no way i can get up in front of people and, and teach them so um her name's emily berry i thank her every time i talk to her um because she was a significant person in my life that gave me that boost and that encouragement mm. and said you can do this i'm gonna help you get through it um so it took me about a year um, I, you know, I finally had my own class after a couple months and then I would just, I would feel ill every time I went to the Y to teach oh, a class. Yeah. It was horrible. And there was just one day that people were walking out of the class and I just like, it finally dawned on me that I could not please everybody. I could not make everybody like my class as much as I wanted to. And I was just going to be me. And even either they were going to like me or they were not going to like me. Mm -hmm. And that was it. And I said, if I can get up here and teach a class, I can go back to playing the flute. So I went back to my flute instructor that oh, I had had yeah. back in high school. And I said, can I take lessons with you again? She said, yes, absolutely. And I wasn't, it was about a month into studying with her again, again, classical music. And she said, you need to do this competition. There's a Rochester Flute Association in the area, and they have an adult division. 
I'm like, you're crazy. I just started playing again. She goes, nope, you're going to do this. So again, um, she is such an, an significant part of my life and, and source of encouragement. So my goal was not to win this competition. My goal was to be able to walk out on the stage and enjoy playing for the first time in my life. Yeah. And I had a blast. I had a blast. I'm like, yes, I did this. And then I ended up winning that competition, which led to me doing national competitions and all this crazy stuff. Um, and then we made a big move. My husband and I and our younger son uh, moved to Phoenix, Arizona in 2005. Our eldest son stayed back to go to Eastman. <laughs> he got accepted at Eastman to study jazz trombone. So, um, so we moved to Phoenix and it was starting all over again. I didn't know a soul out here. Mm, yeah. Um, I auditioned for uh, some of the community orchestras um, and I don't know if you're familiar with that scene, but like once you're in an orchestra, like you're in until you decide to leave or you pass away or yeah. you're too ill to play. So it's not like you can take over somebody else's position. Right. So I couldn't really find anywhere to play. And I ended up teaching at a, a music school called Music Makers Workshops. And there was a guitarist in the room next to me. And I would hear him practicing this beautiful music. And I started, it was his music he had composed. And I said, oh, could you arrange that for flute and guitar? So I just started playing some other music that was not very familiar to me. And eventually, just through networking, I met up with a harpist for years and wanted to act in jazz. And then there was a flamenco guitarist that wanted me to play in his band. And he said, you need to learn to imp. A classical, <laughs> a classically trained musician, because we like to have the music in front of us. Mm -hmm. um, so learning to play by ear and improvise was one of the best things I had ever done, because uh, it just opened so many other doors. And now I can just get up and play with just just about anybody mm. these days. Um, so back in uh, let's see, it was probably around 2007. I did a fundraiser for the YMCA with one of my groups. It's more, uh, it was flute guitar and percussion, more world music. And I had one CD that I had recorded called Desert Journey. People bought my CDs. The next week, I was teaching one of my classes, and uh, a woman that often came to my classes um she probably had parkinson's although she didn't tell me at the time what it was and she came in very excited she says i, I have to tell you before class starts i just have to tell you when i put your cd on my hands stop shaking i can write well, nobody had ever said anything like that to me ever before about my music having an effect on mm. them so i thought wow this is pretty powerful and this this is not my music what would it be like if i created my own music would people like that would it have the mm -hmm. same effect and that's how i uh started recording what we refer to as new age music uh in that genre uh, i went to an engineer and i said i want to record new age music i have no idea what i'm doing and he said i will help you so mm -hmm. again another person that helped coach me and help 
direct me on my path here. Uh, so yeah, I just started creating my own music and just letting it come from the heart. Mm-hmm. I don't compose like many people where they write down the ideas and sketch it all out. I just go into the studio or wherever the space is and just just play. Let's check out a track from one of Sherry's beautiful albums. This comes from the 2022 release, Synesthesia. And this track is entitled Obsidian Shadows, here on Ambient Discourses.
it's really interesting to hear about the different people that have had these kind of touchstone moments in your life that have helped shape who you are right now mm -hmm. and pointing to our interconnectivity and our interdependence upon one another and how that can really shape and mold you and inform your choices and inform mm -hmm. yeah it's who yeah who, who have been some of the people that um have there been other people that have really since then been integral to part to uh to who you are and and the music that you've created like maybe some collaborations along the way where you felt like you really grew from those experiences well, I love to collaborate with other artists. So I have many recordings out there with other artists. It, it always, um, I believe it helps to expand what I do. It's always a learning experience. And I tell people that music is a, it's a language, right? So yeah. like you're, and there's so many different like genres within that language. But every time you work with another artist, it's like you're creating your own little sub-language inside yeah, yeah. the language, if that makes any sense. It makes absolute um, sense. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if you heard the recording transformation that I did with guitarist Darren Mahoney. Um, there's a whole story there. I met Darren in 20, I want to say 2010. There was um, a huge wildfire, a huge wildfire here called the Wildfire up north in Greer, Arizona. And a friend of mine, a musician friend, decided to do a fundraiser concert for this village of Greer that survived where the fire had burned all around the little hamlet. Mm. So I was invited up to, to play and I had just finished my set on the stage. <clears throat> we were all donating our time and then this duo came up after me. Uh, it was a country western singer Mary Hoffman and her guitarist Darren Mahoney and the woman that was uh, running the event asked them if I could come up and play with them on the stage so I just jumped up there and did a couple songs with them and it, that was a blast and then afterwards Darren was talking to me and he said I'm, I'm working on a recording maybe you could do some flute tracks and I said yeah I'm working on a recording maybe you could do some guitar tracks for me uh, so he came into the studio with me and it was it was like magic i call him the brother the brother that i never had like there was an instant connection and bond to him but his story is he had stage four liver cancer um, about 25 years ago now and he had collapsed went to the hospital found out he had cancer the doctor said you got about three months we need to set you up in hospice and a doctor walked into the room and had some experimental chemo at the time that they wanted to try and I can't tell you the name of it um, but 
so he had nothing to lose you know mm-hmm. he was yeah. on his way out anyway so he did uh, the chemo it was so invasive on his body that they had to put him into a coma mm. for a while and he's still you know he's told me stories of things he remembers being in the coma and just this incredible experience he he remembers all of the conversations that were happening in the room with the people and he came out of it he ended up surviving obviously and picked up his guitar he used to play just uh, country and bluegrass and while he was in the hospital his mother was playing a cd of will ackerman's and um So Darren had that spinning in his head. So when he picked up his guitar, he just, like, this beautiful music came out. Mm. I'm assuming you're familiar with Will Ackerman and, yeah, Wyndham Hill. Uh, So when I met Darren, you know, he played some of his music for me. And I said, oh, my God, this is so beautiful. Like, we we need to do something with this Mm -hmm. because you you should share your story. It'll be very inspirational to others. So we recorded Transformation, uh, which was composed mostly his his compositions with my flute in addition. But the intent with that album was to help people going through chemotherapy treatments. And it would give us chills. We'd be performing somewhere and somebody would come up and say, oh, my gosh, I have a friend that's going through chemotherapy right now, and I think this music would be perfect for her. Mm-hmm. Like, like we would just get goosebumps in the hairs, would stand up on our arms, like, oh my God, because that is what that was our intention. Um, so, to know that we're able to help people with our music is just really indescribable. Like, it's it's such an honor. It's such an honor to be able to help others. Mm. There's. There's a selflessness in that and a minimalization of the ego, which is, I find, to be both absolutely necessary for today's musician, but also just to get out of the way and let the music just do its thing and allow Mm -hmm. whether, you know, allow another person to immerse themselves on their own and find whatever they need out of it, find their mm-hmm. healing out of it, find comfort, find yeah. uh, serenity. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious. So it's interesting your experience in the past with absolutely paralyzing st- stage fright mm-hmm. and with re- <laughs> regard to com- competitions and it's it's almost like you're not wanting to put you or yourself out there mm-hmm. and through this resurgence of finding music again and being aided by these other people that have come along your your way across, across your path that you've been able to almost transcend through the ego-ness that we all get hung hung up on as musicians Mm -hmm. to a place of this music is is not for me it's not for my identity it's not for self-importance or Mm -hmm. all of the things but to serve a very utilitarian purpose for other people 
Yeah, and when I started doing this style of music, I remember being in the studio and my engineer, John Herrera, was saying, you're playing too many notes. It needs to be less. And I was getting frustrated and you know, he said, go home and think about it. You can't do this today. Go home and think about it. Yeah. Um, so I had to step back because in my mind, I was still thinking, oh, my gosh, what are the classical flutists going to say? Because right. you're trained to play, you know, so many notes in an, a minute <laughs> mm-hmm. and just holding one note for, you know, 10, 20 seconds. I, I had to get out of my head yeah. to do that. 100 percent in fact it's it's i liken it to the space in music i liken it to um how like some of the eastern traditions like taoism and uh buddhism how they make equal mention and validity of the darkness for to for the light to even know of its own existence it has to have the darkness Mm -hmm. so in this way you've got to have these notes they need to be defined by the spaces in between them mm-hmm. and i think that those spaces in between to to the engineer who's coaching and guiding you in that that's mm-hmm. that's golden advice there like finding the beauty yeah. in the space between notes and exactly uh, i was just gonna say it's the space in between the notes that's yeah. really important it carries it carries emotion with it. It carries, it allows you, in fact, it allows you this, it's kind of like in meditation, how mm-hmm. where you're trying to quiet your own voice to just observe the space you're in, the sounds that you hear, the things that, you know, observing your thoughts pass through like clouds. And in a same way, similar way, musically, you are giving people the space to think about what they're hearing and to Mm -hmm. process as they're hearing and to let it envelop them in yes and it's always interesting to me when people reach out to me and tell me like what a particular song did for them or what they imagined when they were listening to it it's different for everybody So it's just putting the music out there and letting each person experience it in the way that they're supposed to experience it. And only they can have that experience. It's it's beautiful and entirely frustrating. <laughs> because if you're trying, I can see as a musician, if you're trying to craft a certain experience, like you have a certain intent or desire of the outcome, that fact alone that we bring our own history, we bring our own um, thoughts, our own experiences mm-hmm. to music, whether or not it's our own music, even to listening to someone else's, we, we, we come at it with a unique perspective and mm-hmm. it almost, it's almost instructive to us as musicians to minimize our desire for an outcome and really place more of our emphasis on the path itself. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was I was just reading that, um, uh, reading a, a, a chapter in the Tao Te Ching this morning um, that t- 
talked about the idea that you should not be looking for the outcome or you should not be looking for the reward of your efforts, but that the, Mm -hmm. and this is my paraphrase, but that, that the journey of creating the journey of doing the journey of being is in itself, the reward. It is the thing that it is the life. It is the way it is. And it's not about the outcome because the outcome is going to look different for everyone. And Mm -hmm. it's something that is not in your control and trying to control that I think brings about suffering in a, in a roundabout way, I think. Yes, I agree. Uh, when I live stream or when I record, I just, you know, I imagine that I am sending this music out to the universe and it will find the people who need it. Um, so I just put it, I, I truly believe that's my purpose in life now is just to help others through my music. Um, I just put it out there yeah. and let people use it how they wish. And I've been live streaming. Are you familiar with Insight Timer? Mm-mm. It's a meditation app. Uh, they started building the app before COVID and had reached out to me, asked me if I would donate a couple of tracks to put on the app. So I did that. Uh, at the time, they said, well, you know, eventually we want to make this where. Um, collaborators, contributors, teachers on the app can earn some money from this. We can't pay you right now. Fine. That's fine. So they really built this app and I can't, I should have looked for numbers, but I mean, there's millions of people that use this app around the world. And during COVID, um, it's probably about June they reached out to me and said, we're going to start live streams on the app. Would you be interested in live streaming? So I said, yes, but I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) I'm like, what equipment do I need? You know, so I just paid an engineer to come over and like hook it up for me, like set it up and I'll write down which button I need to push and (laughs) all of that. Uh, so I've learned a lot about technology and doing that. And mm-hmm. I, I've gotten a lot better at it, but it's still challenging. Oh, yeah, it but, is. Yeah, so I would do these live streams. And there's there's a chat going on with the people that are watching. And they just started reaching out to me privately. I mean, they would put messages in the chat, too. Like, thank you so much for your music. I was so stressed out today. Now I'm feeling better. Uh, And they would find me. They would email me. Um, There's one particular gentleman named Bobby, and he has given me permission to share his story. He is a Vietnam veteran, suffers from tinnitus, Uh, In his head, it sounds like two smoke alarms going off at the same time. He spent 10 years not leaving his house because of this. Depressed. Finally went to the VA hospital. He started doing therapy. uh, Went to an audiologist. He's got hearing aids. They were, there's something called a masking program to try to 
make your mind not hear the noise. I don't think it covers the noise. It just, I can't explain it to you again, technology. But <laughs> yeah. um, So they were using like white noise and pink noise and different things and nothing was really working for him. And they suggested he start meditating. He found the Insight Timer app. He found me in my music. And he started putting my music in this masking program and it was working for him mm, wow. and so he's telling the audiologist this this is working for me so apparently they were trying to figure out why because of the frequencies and how is this working i i would love to see their notes and their study on right. this someday but he he He's been such a great supporter and he writes to me he still writes to me three years later and tells me how my music saved his life and i was like mm. don't tell me that that's like I, now i'm feeling pressure but um it's i don't even know that i can describe it like oh, just to know that to. I, I did that for somebody yeah it's a, it's an amazing feeling knowing that and again this kind of points to our connectedness that that we can have this kind of deep visceral uh, i don't know this 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 energetic force between us and that one vibration the vibration of the simple act of playing your flute in, into a recording that kind of captures your energy and your your emotions behind it and your intent and that mm-hmm. the culmination of all of that is somehow the right resonance for you know, certain people or mm-hmm. they just happen to be in the right spot where that reaches them at a deep mm-hmm. and meaningful level. I've, I've had that experience with other things. I was talking with Robert Rich. He was, he, he was kind of commenting that even he, he knows people that could easily find healing in death metal. <laughs> Right. I always say it doesn't have to be my music or my style of music. Right. And it's, I think it's, I really think it has something to do with just like, I I believe that we are beings of energy. Like we have, I, I, I I still kind of struggle with the idea of chakras and it's not a, it's not a metaphor that I've yet been able to get into, but I do feel like there is an, energy and a wave about us that the things that we create and the things that we express are a perfect fit for just the right people out there and like you were Mm -hmm. saying earlier you know who knows how this stuff gets orchestrated into the universe and how people find it but Mm -hmm. when the people the right people do you you know Without, without a doubt, just how deep of an impact that that Mm -hmm. potentially can have, and how rewarding Mm -hmm. it is to feel connected to someone in that. Yeah, yeah. So he's become a great friend and a great supporter, and you know we share personal stuff with each other and support each other. So these connections that I've made 
through Insight Timer, I would have had no idea when I started live streaming on there, the people that I would meet and the stories that I would hear. And just the gratitude and the love that they send my way. And I'll just tell you, um, I don't know if you know that I broke my wrist. Yes, I saw that. I was just like, ah, and for a flautist, I was like, oh, my God. It was terrifying. Um, But I had so many people praying for me and sending me healing energy. Like, I just went to the doctor for my three-month checkup yesterday, Mm -hmm. and he goes, well, you're looking like it's you're at the six month point, and it's only three months. So he says you're you're doing great. And just the fact I was able to like to play my flute again a week later, hmm. I, I really I, I really believe everybody sending me those prayers and energy helped. Let's check out one of Sherry's collaborations. This is a tune that comes from an album that was a collaboration with a multimedia artist on the Heart Dance Records label by the name of Elise. This is Sherry Finzer and Elise from the album Phenomena, and this is entitled Air Glow, here on Ambient Discourses.
I'm thinking about music and emotions and the, the, the feelings that we inject in as musicians and the energy that we put in there, but also the, what the listener provides when they come to the music as well. Some artists have remained in very concrete and analytical spaces. So they're maybe kind of taking a scientific approach to music and others kind of from purely emotional spaces. Do you find yourself uh, fluctuating on that continuum between purely emotional or uh, and the analytical and the technical? Do you, do you find yourself ebbing and flowing between those two spaces or do you prefer to just remain like an emotional space when you're creating? Yeah, I, yes, I can answer this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I prefer the freedom of just letting my emotions flow. I definitely know that's my preference. I do work with some other musicians where things have to be a certain way, mm -hmm. uh, more structured. And I found the last couple of years that I feel a lot of frustration now mm. when I do that. <laughs> so it's like I've, I've moved so far from the classical music, reading off the page, playing in this box um, to being so free when I play it's a little bit hard for me to back up and go back in the box these days mm. but I feel like I need it still um, wow. why do you feel that it, why do you feel it's frustrating what what makes it frustrating for you because I feel like I'm in a different headspace mm. I just and maybe it's just the fact that it feels so much easier and natural for me now to just play freely what I want to play. So uh, there's another artist that I work with uh, who builds all the tracks, and then I'm supposed to come up with the flute parts. So oftentimes I would go to the studio. I'm very proud of what I created, and and I'll play it. And he's like... No, <laughs> no, that's not what I wanted. And I'm like, uh, okay, but I really like what I came up with, but that wasn't what he wanted. And then he tries to explain what he wants me to play. And I'm just like, ah. <laughs> right. So then now you're giving these constructs to work within these limitations. I, sp I, sp I bet that yeah. could be, I can, I can see how that would be frustrating when you've, for so long when you've been exp just had the freedom to play however much or little as you want within yeah. however much time and then suddenly you have this creative constraint yeah do you you find that particularly taxing yes frustrating yeah frustrating and then then I'm trying to analyze asking myself why are you so frustrated about this what is mm. what is it that's making you frustrated you mm. know all these things that go through my head right trying to analyze but mm. yes i'm also trying to take a look at myself and why i do and think think the way i do <laughs> yeah i think we all do i mean yeah. it's i think it's essential as a musician to continually look to how you can refine yourself and remove some of the things that kind of get us hung up 
on you know certain ideas of like you know <laughs> one small example for myself is this you know i've got this mental hang up that ambient music can't have a beat and it can't have a voice but i'm thinking why not <laughs> and trying to look for other possibilities within you know things that outside of my own comfort zone mm-hmm. or my own ways of thinking yeah i think it's good to be challenged um it keeps us growing. Yeah. But I just get frustrated sometimes. <laughs> so I'm curious. So along the lines of that's, that's almost, it's kind of similar territory to, for when musicians, when we have, when we have those mental blocks, when we have like challenges or setbacks and things that, things that we have to overcome and when when you find yourself in a situation when you're when you're challenged beyond your own convention and you're maybe even having mental blocks in the process of of how to address that have there been things approaches or thoughts or frameworks or philosophies that have helped you get past your own mental hurdles or your road roadblocks that you find yourself in? Mm. I don't know. For me, just taking some steps back, putting it aside for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to do a lot of processing in my head. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of processing. Um, so sometimes I just have to take a few days off and then come back to it, figure okay. out why why it was bothering me. Yeah, clear the um, headspace a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and then sometimes it's the path's wide open and it, it just comes. So yeah, a lot of internal processing. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Meditation, med- meditation too. I have to say meditation has been an absolutely indispensable part of my life. I started meditating last summer for the first, not necessarily for the first time, but more consistently. And it's really transformed my listening Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the ability to really just observe without having to inject my own <laughs> thoughts yeah. into things. Have you yes. have you kind of found a little bit of that in your life too? With uh, any maybe not just meditation, but other practices that kind of helped quiet down the ego a little bit and and help you find the way through. Yeah, I think just observing more instead of trying to put myself into a situation just sitting back and um analyzing processing <laughs> i have a lot of that going on right now so that's why it keeps coming up um meditation even is challenging for me still because my mm-hmm. mind my mind's always on the go it's hard to shut it down sometimes yeah um yeah i i would ask you like how how do you how do you get into the space when you're meditating where you're just meditating and you're not thinking about 
oh my god i need to do laundry today and um i gotta go to the grocery store (laughs) yeah it's hard it's i won't lie it's hard. hard i think for me when i think about so i've probably been actually when i think about it it's probably been closer to a year and a half that i've been meditating regularly and i have noticed for me that it takes me i have to be more of a regular habit of it i can't do this as a sporadic thing like Mm -hmm. where I'm in the mood to meditate and then I'll meditate <laughs> and then yeah. completely yeah. be derailed because it's, it's, I, I, I think about some things that Ram Das has said about meditation. He's like, if you're trying to meditate, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Cause I'll sit down and I'm like, this is not working. This, yeah. I can't do it right now. <laughs> I know. And you, you almost have to, well, I think the thing that was really liberating for me with regard to meditation is to stop taking the ri- stop making a ritual out of it first of all stop mm-hmm. ha- stop approaching meditation with having to have an objective right like i want some sort of experience or i want some sort of outcome and to simplify it as i'm just observing my body breathing just following the natural rise and fall of my torso or observing the feeling in and out of my nose. Mm -hmm. And as thoughts come, you kind of like, sometimes I get hung up on the thoughts. I used to get hung up on them all the time, you know, like, well, I just spent 15 minutes thinking about something that's (laughs) completely unimportant. (laughs) I get it. I totally get it. But it, and the thing is, is that you have to have compassion and grace on yourself. And I don't think that when people are venturing out to try and meditate, they don't come to it with enough grace and compassion for themselves and their monkey brain wanting to continually assert itself into your consciousness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And maybe another... facet that kind of helped is is realizing that one of my goals is to try and be less and less and less into to kind of the Taoist way of being the river that moves effortlessly it just moves and it's trying to look for the lowest possible outcome the lowest um space that it can occupy Mm -hmm. and then come to a place of rest and Mm -hmm. so that that helps because then it becomes let then my thoughts become less important (laughs) yeah because i've had some great meditations where i've you know seen things and things have been shown to me and then other times i'm like what just happened nothing happened (laughs) That's okay. There was no message. There was no message today. (laughs) Yeah, the message is optional. The message just happens if it happens. It doesn't. I think that's one of the hang-ups that we have, I think, as Americans, is living in the West. We have Mm -hmm. 
I think we're driven by results and outcomes. Um, <laughs> we're driven by things, nouns. Um, but I've heard a lot of ideas that have really challenged my perspectives um, from people. I know this is going to totally start to paint me, paint a picture of me as being this hippy dippy psychedelic dude. <laughs> <laughs> but like I've. I've come across these teachings from and lectures from people like Ramdas and Alan Watts and and other people within those circles and seeing how uh, I don't know how unimportant my th- my thoughts are and how unimportant I am and by I am I mean my ego this yeah. picture that I've painted of who I am mm-hmm. and when it's really entirely irrelevant who I am, who I perceive myself to be. And I think the minute when you can start coming to a place of rest and acceptance of just who you are and that the only thing that really matters is this moment right now, the mm-hmm. here and the now, and that there, this idea and this construct of time of that we have to be somewhere in five hours or we have to get something done by the end of the day or oh my god Mm -hmm. i didn't do that thing yesterday and (laughs) yeah who cares it's like my my to-do list is never ending like you scratch one thing off and you add two more on and um you know just with running the label and the promotions and everything it's (laughs) i used to work 12 to 15 hours a day, seven days a week when I first started the label and the promotions company. Yeah. And I, like after I said, I'm going to do this for five years and see where I am. And, um, and then I said, okay, I'm going to keep going, but I can't do this. I can't work this hard mm-hmm. anymore. So that's when I started getting, putting a team together to help me. Um, but and now I was like, I try not to work on the weekends, you know, to take a couple of days off. So mm-hmm. I, I've been trying to gradually give more duties over to other people and to give myself more space. <laughs> Otherwise, my head is just going and going and going. <laughs> I've got another track that I want you to hear. And this comes from the brand new, gorgeous 2023 release, The Gratitude Project which was recorded in the Tank Recording Studio down in Colorado. Just a wonderful space. This track is entitled Undercurrent, here on Ambient Discourses.
Yeah, I was doing some Reiki sessions, or I was having take, having some Reiki sessions done um, a few years back, and the message that came through was because I always say that I create music for other people, and the message was, "You're supposed to be using the music yourself, dummy." You know, <laughs> like, oh, mm. yes. I need music for healing as well. Yes. yes. Interestingly enough, that supports that idea is that earlier this year, as I started to meet new musicians, so beyond just playing their music and getting the solicitations come my way, when I really started having conversations with musicians about why they do what they do and when they started... It's amazing how many ambient musicians came about during the pandemic. Mm. And that <laughs> the majority of those musicians that came about in 2020 or 2021 and that that they were doing it entirely for themselves, that it was mm. their healing, their meditation practice, their attempt at trying to deal with some of these really heavy emotions or heavy life experiences and all the things that we're experiencing as you know being isolated from one another and mm -hmm. being confronted with our mortality and the finiteness and ephemerality of life that uh, and so maybe I don't know. Is would that be consistent with you too? That you've in the process have discovered that this is for your healing as well. Well, it took me several years before I realized that even when I was a kid in my room practicing for hours, that was that was my healing. That was my therapy back then because I was escaping some other stuff that was going on in life and. You know, hiding out in my room playing my flute was was healing for me. Um, during COVID, I I took my sound system outside and set it up in the driveway, and I just started playing outside, like because I'm like maybe somebody will hear this and it will help make their day a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And so the neighbors started coming out, putting their lawn chairs in the driveway. <laughs> and they're like, when are you going to, you know, shouting, when are you going to play again? Because nobody would go near each other. I'm like, ah, I don't know, Saturday. So, and then I would set a sign outside, like, next performance, you know, Saturday, four o'clock or whatever it was. And... Like they just started telling people and like more and more people would come down and um, we live in a neighborhood where there's uh, people golf. So people have golf carts and they were driving the golf carts down. They're all parking in the street and then traffic couldn't get through. And, <laughs> and then we found cul-de-sacs where we could set up and play. And uh, yeah, it just grew to be this thing and it really helped people get through COVID, but it helped me too, because, you know, it's like, what are we going to do here? And just, we're going to go crazy. Yeah, I know. 
tell me I gotta about do it. something I gotta do something but yeah uh, music is definitely just just going and playing doing the live stream I feel so much better when I'm done with my live stream uh, so it is I know it is healing for me too mm. Mm. Yeah. so let's talk about your gra- the, the gratitude project first of all I'm a, I'm a sure. big fan of anything that helps us remind ourselves to be grateful for all the little and the big things in our life so mm-hmm. yes amazing <laughs> and also yeah. the tank oh my god that you should go I I the minute so I heard I I think it was your recording one of your recordings um, first came my way when it talked about the tank I'm like what what is mm-hmm. this place that we're that we <laughs> has such magical reverb that goes on for days and days and days and yeah. of course that's an exaggeration um. Oh my God, the gratitude project is so beautiful, and Thank I, you. I just it it feel it's it feels just I don't know how to it's 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 ephemeral. I can't describe it. It's okay. it's but it's it just has this again going back to the negative space between notes. That's mm-hmm. what makes it for me is this long space of just time to let that note resonate and process and find yourself kind of in this slow almost wave-like progression of you're just kind of finding yourself drifting with the music and and it just I find it to be absolutely soothing and 100% calming Tell me, tell me kind of how, when you, when you were first thinking about before it became the gratitude project, what were, what were Mm -hmm. you thinking about and what was kind of leading up to that release and when working on the production for it? Um, so I have a, uh, a birthday coming up. It's a large number for me. (laughs) So I started thinking about this, like, you know, a year or two ago, um, what am I going to do for this birthday? You know, am I going to release something in correlation to the birthday? And so the idea behind it was to, as far as gratitude goes, like all of the good and the bad have brought me to the place I am today. So like, I wouldn't be here without any of that, that, that happened in the past. Uh, so even the bad things I am grateful for. So they're all wrapped up in this project. I, I released an EP for each decade, and now all of those EPs are um, within the Gratitude Project with, with additional tracks for the last decade. But um, So it is appreciating the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it, I don't know if the titles kind of um, give any understanding of what was happening at the time, but um, 
so it's a, it's a reflection of my life, mm-hmm. um, being grateful for everything that has happened and the people yeah. that were involved in my life as mm-hmm. well. And then it's, it's uh, I think this is the fifth or sixth recording that I've done inside of the tank as well. Yeah. That place is beautiful. I, 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 it's going to be a priority of mine to someday make it down there and record a project with them. It's yeah. Where, where are you located again? I'm up in, I'm up in Minneapolis, so it'd be a little bit okay. of a haul, but well, it would, yeah. it would still be worth it. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what yeah. you, what you mentioned about taking time to even be great, grateful for all of the, all of the, th- the difficult things the the negative things that you've endured that's that's a really difficult lesson to get through and to Mm -hmm. to come to a place of genuine gratitude for that and which i've been kind of on a similar journey lately trying to express that same kind of gratitude and thankfulness for all the the crap Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Mm -hmm. i i I think that that's a. It's not easy. Easy, not easy at all, and but something that I, I feel is almost essential to us. But it made you. It's helped to make you who you are right. today. Right. And get you to this point of your life, hmm. even yeah. though it seems painful and mm-hmm. crappy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I think about. I think about like for me and sorry, I don't want to make this about me and, but no, it's fine. to personalize this in, in your, uh, with the gratitude about the negative things for, for a long period of time, I was stuck in the evangelical movement and I don't want to discon- discount it for anyone else who, who actually gets something out of it. That's great. Um, but I had been in situations of deep manipulation and, um, and isolation from people who weren't of the same mindset. And and that's just really scratching the surface, but coming out of that, I had to mourn (laughs) like 30 or 40 years of being, immersed in this and the isolation that I created, the otherness of, well, you don't think the same way, you don't believe the same things and and the judgment that comes with that yeah. and and finally coming to terms with that out of all that has taught me compassion and includes inclusiveness and uh, trying to see people with eyes of acceptance, regardless of where they are and regardless of what they think and do. Mm-hmm. And um, all that to say, and I'm, I'm, I'm really, it's really refreshing to see you express not just gratitude for the, the wonderful things in life, because that's what we all do. It's, it's the easy thing to do, but mm-hmm. to go the, that extra distance of 
finding gratitude in all of the difficult things, yeah. the negative things that you've endured. And mm-hmm. I think in a roundabout way, it contributes to the relatability of your music and how the energy that it puts out and how that might resonate with other people, especially. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So the gentleman I was talking about earlier, Bobby, um, I, I started writing a book this year. So I was talking to him about writing a book about my journey, which it's nowhere near done, but the intention behind the book was to encourage people that they can go back to something later in life, like I did with music. But I was talking to him about the book, and he said, I already know your story because I hear it in your music. It's in your music. I was like, oh. <laughs> that's, that's Got me beautiful. choked up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's true because it's, it's your music is is it's this intangible expression of who you are that that words where words can't suffice it, mm-hmm. going back to the language that you've created this is a it's an expression of yeah. intangible language where we don't need to engage the concrete mind and it's it's something that we can just allow to resonate with us as is and so a little bit of your history and your experiences are intermingling with other people and their history and their expressions and what they're facing with. So I think it's just a profound connection to it all. Yes. And I've, I've always thought that I could tell a story better with my flute than I can actually speaking mm-hmm. <laughs> and telling the story, like just, just let me play it for you. Here it is. <laughs> mm, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine? Like, you could you could almost make your your autobiography just like this little one sheet, and like, well, see the discography now for the full story. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. All right, I've got one more track that I want you to hear from the gorgeous, transcendently beautiful album. The Gratitude Project. This is entitled Finding Purpose here on Ambient Discourses.
a percussionist named Will Putman and we were doing a retreat at a resort in California and we did a session where we played we just improved and then the people in attendance they had journals mm-hmm. and they their assignment was to write a story to what we just had had played and it was so interesting That's so cool yeah yeah and they all had like different stories yeah it was really oh my god that's so amazing like Mm -hmm. what what a fantastic experience for a live not even i wouldn't even call it a performance it's a it's like you're interactive yeah collectively creating a creative expression together and oh that's Mm -hmm. cool yeah yeah that was a lot of fun I would like to see more of that. 
I think that would re- that's like public performance amped up to the next level where mm-hmm. yeah, you don't get to just sit back as a passive consumer of what's going on. You're in this mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, and some, I mean, some people wrote these very elaborate stories, like, um, I'm walking through the street in this town in Africa, and the children are coming out and dancing with me, and it was just like, these are incredible visions and stories that they felt from what we were playing. Hmm. Hmm. I think that just... That's just so beautiful. I, I really like the idea of inviting people to create while you are in the process of creating and that they're able to participate in that as well. And mm-hmm. it's, oh God. I you. have some artist friends too that paint to my music. That's, I think that's just amazing. I think, yeah. I think that makes. Man, that just gives me just so such a different perspective now about the potential of the interaction mm-hmm. between the artist and the listener, and that it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be this us and them perspective, and that it really can right. be we. And yeah, you yeah. know that they are just as much of a part of it as 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 you are, at, you know, in the creation of the music, and that there's. Mm-hmm they're kind of a continuation of that energy and that force man god that's cool yeah i'm just <laughs> i got am all genu- these ideas i am I genuinely hear, hear jazzed <laughs> i'm genuinely jazzed about this idea and this this oh man now this is this has given me some ideas about how i can because pr- i've been struggling at, to, to figure out the live component of ambient music because it's it's there's no venues for live music for ambient music at least not here mm-hmm. in the Twin Cities and I've, <laughs> I mean when when's the last time you heard about you know a nightclub that it's just all ambient or neoclassical or new age music yeah. you, you don't it's not a thing you might go right. to maybe once in a while you might see an art installation and someone's playing in the corner during the the premiere but i it's i really like and dig this idea of it's of kind of having this collective artistic experience and yes there happens Mm -hmm. to be music a musical component to that but Mm -hmm. come prepared with your sketch pad or your writing pad or whatever right and be prepared to create and then you know it's it's really neat to share all that if people want to share at the end yeah it's kind of akin to robert rich's sleep concerts that he did early on in the 80s where it was this experience of all right come bring your favorite blankie and pillow and (laughs) pull up a cot or whatever and and let the music do its thing but this is next level in my mind this is next yeah. level this is great yeah. all right i have one one last question okay and we'll wrap things up uh, by the way this is just uh, i've really enjoyed our conversation it's just oh, me too. wonderful yeah. wonderful <laughs> wonderful so i'm thinking and and this this has kind of a unique 
or at least has the potential for a unique spin on it because you run Heart Dance Records label and you you obviously have a nurturing role with these artists and helping them accomplish the things that they have difficulty doing themselves or maybe don't mm-hmm. have the resources to. But mm-hmm. uh, what kind of advice or what advice would you give to artists that are either starting out for the first time and they're trying to find themselves or maybe like your average independent artist that's just out there slogging it and kind of probably even struggling in the current model of how music works. Mm-hmm. Would you there have any many. advice for them? Well, um, yes. <laughs> Seek people who are doing what you want to do and uh, see if they'll talk to you and share their experiences and knowledge with you. Uh, When you're starting out, it's hard to build a team, but if you get to the point where you can build a team, it's very helpful so that maybe you can have your weekends free (laughs) (laughs) and you can go do something besides sit at your computer all day. I'm Um, I'm feeling personally attacked here. What is this? (laughs) I'm kidding. No, I'm talking about me. Uh, I know. Me trying to step back. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I think that's what I did. Uh, I was lucky to go to an event. Uh, There was a, a music chart called zone music reporter it's still around but uh, they used to have uh, award shows every year and and i went in 2014 and i met all kinds of musicians that were there and generally i think in this genre we like to share and help each other because we all believe that this music is healing to others so i feel very lucky that i met some great musicians and I said, hey, I'm thinking of, you know, growing my record label and starting a promotions company. And they were very encouraging and introduced me to people. Um, Making the connections is really important in the music business. And if you're introverted, it's more challenging. But um, don't be afraid to put yourself out there and just reach out to somebody. If you just email them and ask ask them, hey, could I have 10 minutes of your time maybe sometime? I'd really, I love what you're doing and I'm starting out in the business. I don't know how to get my music out there. Can you give me any advice? Uh, maybe they'll reply. Maybe they won't. But if you don't ask, you don't know, right? Right. What's the saying? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. <laughs> That's that's right. That's it right there. <laughs> it's yeah. and nothing, and only you can do the work. Only you can make it happen. You know, you have to be involved in. You know that that conversation is not going to happen without you. you no one's going to do it for you. Yeah, I was just at a music conference back in May, and. Today, as an artist, I know they were talking more about like the pop genre, but uh, they were talking about artists like, great, you just made this recording, but like, there are like so many other things you need to be doing. It's if you want to do it full time, you should be spending 40 hours a week 
on your career. I I'm not a social media fan, but like it's it's a necessary evil. You you got to do that. You got to create content. Um, and even then, talk. even then, it's it that even feels like it's not even enough. It it feels like yeah. that there's so much more that you need to do and. Yeah, it's, it's a, a hard, hustle. It is a hustle, and it's a very hard balance, especially for at least many of us in our shared genres that mm-hmm. where it really ego has a harder time existing in that space when you're col- collaborating, because even the ego doesn't have as much of a role in when you're really trying to listen to who you're collaborating with and trying to come up with a shared vocabulary and a shared musicality. Mm-hmm. And or in in the space of trying to create music that is more conducive for healing or meditation there's not as much room for the ego there and it's really hard to live in those two spaces i think with you know creating this kind of selfless music but at the same time having to all right i got to promote myself i got to do the thing oh it's so. not it's not a comfortable feeling um, like uh yeah. But I, I've got a team that helps me with social media. And oh. I'm like, okay, just just tell me what you need. Yeah. Like, okay. And, and they do the posting, you know. So that, that's that been very helpful because yeah. uh, when I think of, uh, I got to post again. Like, oh, uh, I know. what am I going to post now? I know. So having somebody that can kind of organize that and know your schedule like i'm going on tour in september so they're like you know okay give us all your your flyers and you know all that information so so they have something to work with you have to give the team something to work with too and you know they want video content so they said just all right pick one day a month to just do all your videos at one time (laughs) okay I know it's such a slog. <laughs> I won't lie; that's that's going to be one of the first things. If I can ever unload offload that, that is going to be one of the first things because I I just I feel yeah. my soul just go and I know. wrinkle up I know. when I'm on any amount of time on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. It's just. Yeah. And when I broke my wrist, they were like, yeah, you probably don't want to post about that. And I said, you know what? I'm going to let people know. I'm going to share this yeah. with with my fans. And I, I'm really glad I did. Yeah. I because think, I, there was so much support and so much love and mm-hmm. so much healing energy was sent my way. Yeah. I think people like to see genuine humanity. Like, like not yeah. not watching people i mean yes there's sadistic people that love to watch other people fall on their face you know metaphorically mm-hmm. speaking but yes you can't do anything about those people but um but yeah i think people i think it's refreshing when people do get a chance to see that human side of you that you know is they're just like you you know that yeah. we're not that different from each other no no well, gosh, Sherry, thank you so much. I just thank you. I I appreciate what you're doing for other musicians because that's it's a 
it's a it's a thing that we need uh, <laughs> you know mm-hmm. this i think artists are have the hardest time being their own advocate and it's it's hard enough to find your own voice let alone have to promote it and get it out there and i think it's such a valuable thing plus your music is just it's transcendently beautiful and and hearing it in like in spaces like the tank takes it to the next level you know it's and that points to your collaborations and the relationships you formed and and other people being brought to those same or similar experiences so now it's now it's become this thing where like i I see things come my way and like this is recording the tank (gasps) (laughs) like i recently heard uh, i had a press release come my way uh, from a recording of the was was it the box the slow beethoven Beethoven. i was like oh so transcended for me it was just like Mm -hmm. oh man and you know that was actually recorded they they have this program called put your head in the tank so Mm -hmm. you can hear yourself in the tank from anywhere in the world if you're in the studio so they actually recorded that in new york city but the speakers were in the tank holy cow that's great (laughs) yeah oh my gosh so you could do that too that has just suddenly made made it super accessible for me. Oh my god! Yes, you could just pay for an hour session or two hour session or you know whatever oh. you want to hear your music inside of the tank. Oh my god! Is it? And I, and I imagine it's real. It. I imagine it's real time too, so that mm-hmm. you can get that instant feedback of all right. Yeah. I need. Oh my god! Yeah. So oh you could god. try that too, oh or you could come in September when I'm there. <laughs> yeah. <that's- laughs> You're welcome to come. That's a fantastic (laughs) idea. Oh, my God, Sherry. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. And I just wish all the success to you and especially for the Gratitude Project. And I, I just, I wish many countless hours for the listener to find their own gratitude in listening to your music and thank you so much for your generosity and it's it's just a wonderful delight to have had this conversation and to meet you yes yes you've made my day thank you (laughs) my pleasure Well, what a delightful conversation that was. I just love talking to all these artists from around the world. Get to hear their perspectives, their ideas, and of course, their amazing music. You can find more information about Sherry Finzer out at sherryfinzer.com or hear more music from her on Bandcamp at sherryfinzer.bandcamp.com. You can also check out Heart Dance Records at heartdancerecords.com where you'll find information about all of the artists in their roster, get to hear more of their music, and learn more about them. Thank you, my friends, for tuning into Ambient Discourses, conversations with musicians and composers who create musical experiences and sonic landscapes. Until next time, take care. <laughs> <laughs>